Good morning. <laughs> so um, I don't talk about this much. Um, I get this testimony, I don't know, many, many years ago. But um, as in my early teens, I used to have um, a lot of complications. And um, I was told by doctors that I wouldn't be able to have kids. They said that my womb was too hostile to bear children. Um, I grew up with that thought in the back of my head as I progressed through life. And I kind of thought, oh, well, I guess I would never be able to have kids. Um, I left, I was in New York. I left New York, came out of college. And then a lot of stuff started happening to me, like a lot of demonic oppression, a lot of demonic manifestation. A lot of stuff was going on in my life. And I remember I said to, to the Lord, it got so bad that I said to him, just one night after just being tortured, I just fell on my knees and I said, if you don't come and rescue me now, I will be dead. It was just that bad. I had no more energy to fight. Two months later, he sent me my husband. <laughs> if anyone knew my husband, he was a Christian fanatic. He was just on fire for the Lord. And I was a heathen. I was on fire for the devil. So <laughs> the Lord brought us together. And I remember when I explained some things to him, and he started teaching me. He was like, well, I'm going to introduce you to somebody, and I'm going to teach you how to fight in his name. Amen. He brought me to Christ. And our first date was a picnic in the park. And he started... And our date was a Bible study. And he started teaching me the word. And I remember for the first time uh, what it's like to hunger for something. I couldn't get enough of the word. I just wanted more and more and more and more. Anyways, few years passed. By this time, we were engaged. And I was just going through my physical checkup, my routine checkup. Um, went to see my gynecologist. He called me. He took, took some samples, brought me back, and brought me back to the office. And he was opened this book, and I was just he was showing me some samples of whatever he took. And he just kept talking and talking. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, what is that? It was just this blotch or image of like what seems to be a flesh, but it was just so battered and bruised, like just blood clots and numbers all over it and I'm looking at him and I'm like what is this and he goes oh you have cervical cancer and I just froze and my husband then fiance said nothing I'm like what and he was like yeah all of these numbers and you can see how unhealthy the tissue is and I just everything just went out of my mind at that point he took another sample. We left the office. And um, he was telling me, well, you know, these, these things are never really wrong. I've been doing this for a decade. It's, it's no point in trying to get, you know, another sample to, to prove anything else. This, we should just progress with um, procedures and, you know, just, just let's not wait any longer. I was like, no, 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 no. I need, I need, I need to process. So he took a sample and we left the office. And at that time, the Lord had been urging me to listen to this guy. His name is Andrew Womack. He was given a, a, a teaching on God wants you well. And I didn't want to listen to this guy. Because this guy, he had a southern twang that I could not stand. It was just like, yeah, hello, my name is Andrew Womack. And I was like, I, baby, I can't do that. Like, I just can't do this guy. But the Lord was urging me before all of this. So I've decided, okay, I'm going to listen to him. So I started listening to this guy reluctantly, but obediently. And I'm listening to his teaching on healing that God already has. Um, when he went to the cross, it wasn't just for my salvation. He went to the cross. He took my sickness upon him, my past, my present, my future sickness upon him. His, he bore those stripes so that I may be healed and well in his name. And all those words were just flooding in my mind. And I could just feel my spirit just rising up. 
it was just this supernatural thing. I've never felt anything like this. I was just getting all these just goosebumps and it was for the first time I understood what it meant to have your mind, spirit, soul and body all in one accord. Because my mind had now been transformed by the word of God. My spirit was already on board with the healing and everything was just coming together at that moment. And I just remember my spirit was just saying, devil, you're a liar in the name of Jesus. I turned to my fiance, my now husband, and I said to him, I'm not gonna take chemo, I'm done. Now for anybody who knows my husband, this next statement will be a shocker. He was speechless. <laughs> His eyes were like saucer. He just looked at me dead silent. And I, and I was just a baby in Christ, maybe two years. And I looked at him and I said, is either God's word is true or I'm going to die believing it. Now, I don't want anybody to come up to me after this or the pastor and say, oh, but I believe for healing and it didn't happen. Look, that's between you and God. I'm just telling you my testimony and how he healed me. I don't know what's going on in your life. You and the Lord knows. I don't. I'm just saying, at that point, I was willing to die for my faith. That's where I stood. Maybe it was in ignorance because I was so young in Christ and I hadn't experienced the battle of the world or the battle of Christianity, but there was just me and God. There was just the word and there was nothing between us. And that's where I stood. Anyways, we left and we just started praying. Like, I mean, we just started warring in the flesh. You know, I mean, if anybody knows me, they know that I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter. I, like, when I'm fighting, doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm praying, my fists are up, I'm, I'm in a, what do you call it, a Krav Maga stand, and I'm fighting, <laughs> right? That's just the way I am. And so we were praying, and I was just fighting. I was just speaking. I mean, every Bible verse you could think of about healing, my husband was just speaking it over me. I was just, I was owning it. And after that, we just started praise and worship, praise and worship. We got to the, to the next appointment, and the doctor brought us in. And he opened the book, and he was just, opened his little, his, the, the, the lab reports. And he was just talking and talking and talking. And I'm looking at the old report, and I'm looking at what I assume was the new sample. And he looked down and he stopped. The samples were like night and day. He could not understand what had happened. And he just kept going on and on and on. And he was like, no, 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 no. There must be a wrong, there must be something wrong, wrong with the diagnosis. And I'm like, I thought the diagnosis was false positive, not false negative. Like, what are you saying? And he just kept going on. He was like, no, you need to come in. We're going to remove a part of your cervix. We're going to get in-depth um, research and treatment. And he just kept talking and talking. And all I kept doing was just praising the Lord, just praising the Lord in silence. I let him ramble on. And I looked at my fiance. We got up. And I said, I ain't never coming back to this guy. And we left. We, we left. And his door was right here. And right across from him was another gynecologist. We just walked right across there. Now, in my ignorance, I never transferred any documentation. In my ignorance, but for the best. I just went right across to start with a new doctor. She later asked me, she goes, Has there ever, have you ever had any issue with your cervix before? I sat back and I said, devil, you're a liar. And I proclaim my healing in the name of Jesus. And I smiled and I looked at her and I said, I am perfectly healed. And she said to me, oh, I knew, I just wanted to check. And that was, <laughs> and that was, that was, that. that was, I mean, he has done many healings in my life, but this was one of those healings where it was also recorded in a doctor's office. And both the, the sample and the healing it was recorded. Well, of course, they don't say healing, but you know. And I'm just here to say that I don't know where you are in your life with your healing process, but I share this in hopes that it would encourage you to just stand on the word, not be double-minded about things, to really search your heart 
and to find out where you are with Christ. The Bible says we can't be double-minded when we approach him. I don't know why some people get healed and some don't. Only you and Christ know. And so just really sincerely search yourself, search your heart, and just bring it before the Lord. Because I, my five kids, are a living testimony to his healing power. And that's what I wanted to share. Thank you for listening. Yeah.
stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Hallelujah. God, you are our way maker. Father, when there's no path before us, you make a path. Lord, you're the miracle worker, God. You do miracles like in Teresa's life, Father. We are so grateful for all the wonderful things that you do. And Lord, you're a promise keeper. God, we know your word is filled with your promises. And you, you keep those promises on behalf of your people, Lord. And Father, you definitely are a light in the darkness. When our path is dark before us, you light the way for us, God. Blessed is your name, Lord. We honor you this morning. We lift up your name this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Teresa, thank you very much. Praise the Lord. That's a powerful story. Powerful story. Um, okay, I just want to take a moment to welcome our guest. If you're here for the first time, thank you for visiting with us. Uh, there's a green card in the package you picked up at the welcome desk. If you could fill it out, we would appreciate it. And you can put that green card in either one of the offering plates up front here or the two in the back uh, anytime during the service. Service, And well, actually, you can take the green card back to the welcome desk and they have a gift for you. So thank you for your visit this morning. All right, a few. Actually, we have a few announcements today. Um, bathroom update. Have you all seen the new bathroom? The ladies' room is open. It's almost fully complete, ladies. Whether you have to use it or not, go check it out. Uh, also, the kitchen is done. You can peek in the kitchen. Uh, it, they've done a great job on that as well. Um, and men, you're using the two rooms straight through the foyer, one immediately to the left and one around the corner to the left. So men, we're back there until our, the men's room is complete. So thank God for all that's going on there. Uh, we, we have a covered dish dinner this no, not this Sunday, but Sunday, October 30th. Cover dish dinner coming up. Begin to think what you're going to cook. Make it good. Lots of desserts and good things like that. That's coming up October 30th, 6 p.m. here at the church. Is that a Sunday? Sunday. So that's Sunday, October 30th, 6 p.m. here at the church. Also, in your bulletin is a Pray for the Candidates flyer. It's not in the bulletin. It's on the table in the foyer. See, I knew all this ahead of time. So on the table in the foyer, pick them up on your way out. Our own uh, Nathan White is one of these candidates. Woohoo! Anyway, it'll be an evening of uh, prayer uh, and uh, worship, praying specifically for the candidates, not for issues. Right? Praying for the candidates and their families. Uh, also, um, I guess is this in the bullet? Is this in the bulletin? No. Again. Is this anywhere? <laughs> All right, on the table in the foyer, there's a card uh, 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 talking about a Brevard foster care in the church. It's a meeting coming up that talks about foster care and the church. It's actually tomorrow night, 6.30 to 8.30 at uh, Freedom Christian Center. So I want to encourage you, if you're interested in uh, foster care and how the church can function and be a part of that, check that out uh, in the foyer. And that's tomorrow night at Freedom Christian Center. Without further ado, I guess it's Pastor Aaron. All right. I got nothing to say today except for, hi, I like you. And it's time to dismiss the children. So a few children, you can get up and go to the door and we'll take you to your classrooms.
All right. Uh, let me know if you get it working. I would like to go back to that microphone if possible. So how is everybody this morning? As I mentioned earlier, um, I want to talk this morning about divine healing. I just believe it's a relevant topic and uh, one that the church needs to, uh, to explore more, uh, to look into more, and to understand better. So let me just say a quick prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to share uh, this word with your people. Lord, I pray for the power, the presence, the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for your healing power to be released in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you talk about divine healing, it can be a difficult topic for some. Why is it you pray for one person, they're not healed, you pray for another person, they are healed. Perhaps you've been praying for yourself for a number of months and even years and not seen any healing. Uh, maybe you had a loved one who was very, very sick and you prayed the prayer of faith over them and you prayed and believed and prayed and believed, but instead of being healed, they pass away. So it, it can be difficult at times as we look at this topic. Uh, not only that, in the church at large, you have a wide variety of perspectives on divine healing. Everything from God doesn't heal today, God doesn't work miracles today, to it's God's will for everyone to be healed, all the way over to it's God's will for, for us to walk in divine health. And so um, I want to try to sort, at least from my perspective, sort some of those things out this morning. Uh, a number of years back, I came to a place where I could no longer pray the prayer, God, if it be your will, heal so-and-so. God, if it be, be your will to heal Bob, heal Bob. Uh, I just, I couldn't pray that prayer anymore. Uh, for me personally, that type of prayer requires no faith on my part whatsoever. It puts everything back on God and eliminates any personal responsibility I might have in praying for the sick. Also came to the place where if I was going to be able to pray in faith for healing, I needed to know what I believed the Bible said about healing. Not what someone else believed, not what someone told me, but what do I believe the Bible says about healing? So that I could, in faith, pray over those who were sick. And so that's kind of the, the journey I've been on. Um, I, I don't expect everyone to agree with where I've come to, but I think we can agree that there's much more that God has for us in this area when it comes to divine healing. And um, I don't in any way pretend to have the final answer on divine healing. But what I want to do this morning is I want to give us reasons to believe that God heals today. Amen. Yeah. I want to put before us reasons to believe that God heals today. So let me, let me, um, let me begin by establishing four guidelines. Number one, don't be overly dogmatic. When you're talking about praying for the sick, the issue is helping hurting people, not resolving your theology on healing. Amen? Now, you can, be, you can have strong convictions. I have strong convictions about healing, and I'll be sharing those this morning. Uh, but that's not center stage. What's center, sta center stage in, in the ministry of healing is helping hurting people. So avoid being overly dogmatic. Number two, use the scripture to find what you believe. Use the Bible to define what you believe. Don't use your experiences and don't use your feelings. Always go back to the Word of God. If you prayed for 10 people and none of them were healed, do not develop your theology based on that. If you prayed for 10 people and they were all healed, do not develop your theology based on those experiences. Go back and find out what the Word of God says about healing. Amen? Amen. You all agree with that? Number three, God is sovereign. But that does not mean that everything that happens to you is ordained by God. We serve a sovereign God, but that does not mean that everything that happens to you is ordained by God. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and the last one, number four, is any discussion of healing does not exclude God using doctors. There's no condemnation if you use a doctor. I use a doctor. Um, and I would say this, though. Doctors use remedies whose properties work according to the natural laws of the creation that God established. Amen? And the problem is that we tend, particularly in, in this age in which we live, we tend to put more confidence in the remedies than we do in God, our healer. Okay. Uh, does, that, does that make sense? And so ultimately, we want 
God to be the first place we go. I'm not saying don't use a doctor. I'm not saying anything like that. But ultimately, we want our confidence and trust when it comes to healing to be in the Lord himself. All right, let me try this. Work any better? Whoa. Whoa. That works very well. <clears throat> now, to stimulate our thinking in this area, I've put a handout in your bulletin. You might want to pull that out. Um, it's basically a number of questions to uh, answer. Each question can be answered with yes, no, maybe, or it's complicated. Now, I did a, a dry run of this. Uh, sermon at our house church, and the most prevalent answer was, it's complicated. <laughs> and it is complicated, but I think it's not as complicated as we want to make it. Um, another thing I want to say, uh, that not all healing has to be miraculous. Uh, God created our bodies to heal themselves. That process in and of itself is miraculous. And really, all doctors can do is aid the healing process that God has established in the body. Amen? Amen. So, um, just wanted to mention that. Now, before I actually deal with uh, the topic of divine healing, there's a couple of areas I want to go into first. And the, the first area is salvation. I believe the church um, interprets salvation in a very narrow sense in regard to our sin and our Savior who saves us from our sin. But salvation and the word salvation has a much broader perspective, a much larger perspective than just our sin sickness. It speaks to the whole person, to the, to the spiritual man, the emotional man, the mental man, the physical man. The Jews saw uh, man as a whole. And so when they, when they heard salvation, it meant every part of their being uh, would be saved. And that would include the physical and could include healing uh, and health and all of those things as well. In fact, I believe Jesus Christ came for the salvation of the whole man. In 1 Peter 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came for the whole man. And I believe that physical healing is a practical application of the salvation provided through Christ and his cross. Now, I understand that there are parts of our salvation that we will only experience in heaven. But Jesus said this in, in Matthew 4, 17. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is much in the kingdom of God that we can experience now, not just in the future. And I believe that includes health and healing and uh, peace and joy and a wide variety of benefits that God has provided for us through our salvation, as it talks about in Psalm 103. I assume you would agree with me on that? Yes. All right. Now, what's in a name? Um, the character and the nature of God can be seen in his many names that we find throughout Scripture. For example, Jehovah uh, Shalom, God is peace. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider or God provides. And one such name is found in Exodus 15, verse 26, where it says, For I, the Lord, am your healer. I, the Lord, am your healer. Jehovah Rapha, I am the God that heals you. God revealed himself to Israel as the, the God that heals them. Hallelujah. Now, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, God also revealed himself to Moses as the I am, the God who always is the God of the now, the God of the now then in Moses' day, the God of the now today in our day. The Jehovah Rapha of the Old Testament is still the Jehovah Rapha, our healer today. Amen? I want to uh, 
uh, paint a, a brief overview of Jesus' healing ministry, and I'm going to do that by reading some verses and making a simple observation after those verses. First of all, I want to say this. Everything about Jesus' life and ministry was miraculous. From his virgin birth to his sinless life to his, his crucifixion to his bodily resurrection, his bodily ascension up to the Father, everything about the life of Christ was miraculous. And that includes his healing ministry. His healing ministry was just as miraculous as well. When he met someone sick, he healed them. When he met someone oppressed by the devil, he set them free. When he met someone struggling in some way in life, he introduced them to the God of peace and hope. And when he met those who died before their time, he raised them from the dead. And so the, the, the healing ministry of Jesus is filled with the miraculous. All right, let me read some verses and make an observation. Matthew 15, 30. And large crowds came to hear him, Jesus, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others, and they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. Observation. Jesus used healing to draw crowds. I believe he used healing to draw crowds. And, it draw, and we have healings today. It draws crowds. Amen? I, th I think we're in just as need of today as, we, as they were back then. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Observation. Jesus' message was authenticated by God with signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. Um, Mark 2, verses 10 through 11. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. Observation. Jesus used healing to prove that he could forgive sins. Amen? And I believe there's a real connection be between the forgiveness of sins and the healing of our physical bodies. We'll be looking at that as we go on. Matthew 16, 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. They, the disciples, and I believe this is the 70, not just the 12. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by signs that follow. Observation. Just like Jesus, his disciples also moved in signs, wonders, and miracles. Who are his disciples today? We are his disciples today. Mark 14, 14. When he went ashore, he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them and healed the sick. Observation. If Jesus was motivated by love to heal people then, does he love us any less today? No. In fact, here's a question I would ask us. If, well, that was the question. If Jesus was motivated to, 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 by love to heal people, then would he do it any less for us today? In fact, um, the Jesus that walked the earth 2,000 years ago, according to Hebrews 13.8, is the same yesterday and today and forever. All right. Now, I try to deal a little bit with kind of various sides of healing and people's um, problems with it. So we might ask the question, what happened to God's healing power? How come we don't see it today like we saw it in the early church? What's interesting, if you look at church history, for the first three centuries, most new believers came to Christ after witnessing a divine healing. All right? I, I, I was just surprised to find that to be true, but the, the miraculous and divine healing was a big part of the, of the church for the first three centuries. In the fourth century, uh, Constantine made the church legal, and so it was no longer uh, a persecuted church. And you saw a rapid growth of the church, and you saw a lot of nominal believers uh, into the church. Not only that, as the world began to embrace materialism and scientific rationalism, the, the divine healing and miracles began to fall into disfavor. And so many actually out of that have come to believe that divine healing either ended with the first century church or it ended with the death of the last of the 12 apostles 
or it ended with the canonization of Scripture. Now, I don't believe any of those are true. In uh, Matthew 10, verse 1, it says, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and he gave them what? Authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I have not found any place in the Bible where that authority was ever taken back from the church. And so I believe we walk in that same authority today. It goes on in Matthew 10, and verse 7 and 8. It says, and as you go, as you go out into the world, whether you're at work or in a marketplace, wherever you go, as you go, preach or talk and declare, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you received, freely give. If we believe we have freely received this from the Lord, we have some obligation to freely give it away as well. Amen? In Mark 16, 17 and 18, it says this, these signs will accompany those who have believed. These signs will accompany who? Believe. That'd be believers. Right? These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. In my name they will speak with new tongues. In my name they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. In my name they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. These signs will accompany those who believe. Believers. We have to decide if we're believers or not. Um, John 14, 12. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. By going to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to live within each and every believer. So we, we are either believers in Jesus and his word, or we are unbelieving believers. And we have to decide. And the only place that faith is going to come from is the word of God. So I want to encourage you to get into the word, to study what the word says about healing. And let God build something in your heart so that you understand what God's word says about healing. And so you can also pray in faith for people who are sick. Amen. Amen. Now, is, is healing found in Christ's atonement? Is healing found in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Now, we know that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection uh, provides uh, uh, provides atonement or the forgiveness for our sins. The question is, and uh, Teresa alluded to this, the question is, does Jesus' life, death, resurrection also provide for our physical healing? Actually, we, we probably all could have gone home after, after Teresa's testimony. <laughs> she pretty much covered it all. But anyway, do, does Jesus' life, death, and resurrection also provide for our physical healing? I want to look at Two portions of scripture, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, it says this. Surely our griefs he himself bore, he himself being Jesus, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Now, there's many Bible scholars that want to limit that verse to spiritual healing and not physical healing. But I cannot see that to be true, particularly in light of what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says, When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. Now remember, we just read a scripture from Isaiah. Verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. To me, that confirms that Christ, that, that uh, divine healing is a benefit of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Man, man has a twofold nature. He has a physical nature and a spiritual nature. And I believe both natures 
were equally affected by the fall. And Christ's redemption provides for the restoring of our physical life as well as our spiritual life. In Romans 8.11, it says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, but if the Spirit, what Spirit are we talking about? But if the Spirit of him who, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Again, Jesus, through the cross, paid for our sin and all its effects, which I believe include sicknesses and diseases. Now, earlier on here, we mentioned Mark 2, 10 and 11, but I want to look at those two verses again. Mark 2, 10. But so that we may know, or so that you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. Now, implicit in this verse, I believe in many other verses, uh, is a link between Jesus' ministry of the forgiveness of sins and his ministry of physical healing. You see the same concept uh, in the Old Testament in Psalm 103, verses 2, 2 and 3, where it says, Bless the Lord, oh, in fact, I'll start with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within you, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who pardons all our iniquities, sin sickness, who heals all our diseases, physical sickness. Sin, I believe sin and sickness are two fruits of the same tree. 1 Peter 2.24, And he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin, sin sickness, and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Again, these verses connect, uh, healing is connected to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You might say, particularly looking at 1 Peter 2.24, that, um, that from God's perspective, you have been healed, therefore you are healed. That's difficult sometimes to walk out, but that's what the Bible says. Now, I know there's other uh, uh, factors involved in healing. We'll talk about that. This will be a two-week series, and we'll talk about some of that next week. Um, why aren't some people healed? Um, Paul's thorn in the flesh, uh, uh, faith and unbelief, and a number of things we're going to look at next week. Uh, but this, uh, this morning, I want to just continue on in this vein, and I want to talk for a moment about the nature of sickness. In the Old Testament, uh, or the Old Testament clearly defines sickness as a curse. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 26, see, this is God speaking, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you listen to the commandments of the Lord and the curse if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord. Moses goes on to elaborate this in Deuteronomy 28, verses 58 and 59. He says, if you are not careful to observe all the words of this law, 59, then the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, even severe and lasting plagues and miserable and chronic diseases. No matter how you look at it, sickness under the Old Testament is considered a curse. Now for us believers, we have Galatians 3.13 that says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Jesus paid for our sin debt, as well as, I believe, providing for us physical healing. Now, <clears throat> here's another question. If sickness is considered a curse in the Old Testament, would God turn around in the New Testament and use it as a blessing to build our character or to build our faith or to teach us a lesson? In my mind, no. That is inconsistent with what I see in Scripture. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to suffer as Christians. We've all faced difficulties. We've all had physical illness problems. Um, but in Acts 10.38, it says this. You know of Jesus Nazareth, of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing. Jesus went about doing what? Good and healing. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It's clear to me it's the devil who afflicts people with sickness and disease. Luke 13.11 
And there was a woman who, for 18 years, had had a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up. Again, you see a connection between the demonic and sickness. Now, I'm not saying every sickness is demonic. But it's Satan who afflicts people with sickness and disease. I don't believe God does. All right? It's quiet. <laughs> Remember John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to... But I came to have life and have life abundantly. I believe it's God's will for everyone to have abundant life. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, The Son of Man appeared for this purpose. What's the purpose? To destroy the works of the devil. The devil oppresses while Jesus came to set us free. Now, there are some Old Testament verses where God appears to have struck people with sickness. You see Miriam, Moses' sister, and uh, King Isaiah uh, King struck with leprosy. You see God releasing a plague that killed 285,000 people. You see the angel of the Lord passing throughout Egypt, killing the firstborn. But in, in any case, in the Old Testament, uh, sickness was always considered a curse. It was never considered a good thing. All right? Now, I would say this, um, if you want to believe that God afflicts people with sickness today, uh, I, would, I, would, I would look at Lamentations 3.33. It says this, For he, God, does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. I don't think God's heart is to afflict. And if he does, it takes significant provocation. All right? Just in case you think God is against you for some reason. <clears throat> so, um, actually, we finished it up a little earlier than I anticipated, which could be a problem because that means there may be too much material for next week. <laughs> anyway, let me kind of leave us with this. The, uh, how do we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in this area of divine healing? And I just want to give us some suggestions. Number one, Receive the Bible as your final authority. It's not your feelings. It's not your experiences. Receive the Bible as your final authority. Number two, reject every thought does not, that does not agree with what the Bible says. Bring every thought captive to Christ. Reject anything that does not agree with what the Bible says. And by the way, and we'll say more about this next week, but everything we listen to in the media, TV, Movies tends to breed, breed unbelief in our hearts. So we need to be very careful what we let in through the eye gate and the ear gate. Because it breeds unbelief. Our, and we'll talk about this again next week. Our problem may not be a faith problem as much as it is an unbelief problem. And we'll, we'll sort that out uh, next week as well. Number, I don't know, four, wherever I am. Three. Uh, one, one, two, yeah, three. Acknowledge that you are anointed by God to do the works of God. Hello? It's not the elders. It's not the deacons. It's not the pastors. Acknowledge that you are anointed by God to do what? The works of God. Each and every one of us has been anointed by the Holy Spirit to do the works of God. And uh, number four, recognize that you have been sent as Jesus was sent. I think Pastor Tony talked about this in John 17. You have been sent just as Jesus has been sent. Jesus was sent in the world to do what? To destroy to the devil. Why are we here? This one reason is to destroy the works of the devil. Recognize that you have been sent by God just as much as any of the original 12 apostles, just as much as any pastor, deacon, uh, elder, you've been sent by God as Jesus Christ himself was sent. And, and the last one, number five or six, do the same works that Jesus did. Do the same works that Jesus did. 
did. I am. Um, I, when when I when I was, I, I woke up uh, uh, one morning or earlier during the week, and uh, I woke up with a song, the words of a song going through my mind. I never wake up with the words of a song going through my mind. I usually just lay awake for hours. But anyway, never. So I actually woke up with the words of the song, and the words and, the, and was the song Waymaker. Um, Waymaker, promise keeper, miracle worker, light in the darkness. And I really felt like that song was for us this morning. God is our way maker. He'll make a way for us. No matter what we might be facing. Promise keeper. The scripture is filled with the promises of God. And God keeps those promises. He's a miracle worker. Teresa's testimony is a testimony of a miracle worker. And I'm sure you have many testimonies as well. And he's a light in the darkness. Have you ever been at a place in life where it just seemed so dark and you couldn't see anything ahead of you? But God shines the light on your path. He makes a way for you to move forward in him. So um, anyway, my hope, as I said in this series, is to give us reasons to believe that God still heals today.